Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you're joining me today for an interview with Lisa Dallenbach. Lisa is the Chief People Officer at Silverline CRM, a Salesforce Platinum Partner, headquartered in New York City, where she leads the employee experience and corporate culture for the organization. At prior companies, Mindshare and Digitas, she spearheaded movements to improve engagement, metrics, reduce attrition, as well as launch and scale tools to evaluate, develop, and celebrate employees at every phase of their professional journey. Lisa, welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. Thank you, Andy. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm really happy to have you on. We've connected a while back and just kind of chatted here and there. And I know you've done a lot of really cool things in the areas of employee experience, employee wellness, employee engagement. These are things that my listeners are always very interested in learning. What can we do to improve these things? And so I thought it'd be cool to get you on to share some of that. That's terrific. And I love that phrase that you use there. How do we celebrate our employees' journeys and their success? And you know, I really do look at, um, I look at no matter where I am, I look at my employees as my clients. And my job is to figure out how to set them up for success and what that looks like for each of them individually in their whole journey with us and wherever that is in their career. So it's a fun, you know, quote, task, unquote, to have. It brings a lot of fulfillment. I like that perspective. It actually reminds me of when I run, we run a program called Multipliers based on the book by Liz Weissman. And I often ask people to think about what their diminisher managers they've done, you know, managers they've worked for that diminish them. One of the most common things that comes up time and time again is they only focused on my mistakes and never celebrated the win. Yes, right. Or the great things that happened. And that's something that is missing in a lot of places. And the best managers and leaders take time to actually celebrate wins and successes, which crazily enough is not done that, that much. I don't know where that all got hammered into our heads at some point, but I would take that one step further and say, I'm a big fan of, you know, you have to know that you know, development areas are the places where you're not as strong, right? So all of us know you got to know what you're really strong at and what you're not as strong at. But that whole notion, so many of the review discussions and development discussions in the past were focused on, okay, so here's where you're really good. 
to your point, let's not talk too much about that. (laughs) And then let's focus on these areas where you need to improve. And I really would encourage leaders, I do encourage leaders to flip that around to say, okay, here's the places maybe you're not so strong. So don't let that kill you, right? Don't let that be something that really gets in your way. But I don't want to focus on that. Let's just say that is what it is. How can we go over here back to the left to these areas that you're really strong, that you're passionate about, that you blossom? How can we help you just grow and grow and grow there? To me, that's where the richness is. You know, don't let those other opportunity areas diminish what you're able to do. There's somewhere, I don't know when it, back in the day where it was just that focus was always get those development areas, always get those development areas. Oh, yeah. I question that. People, a lot of people managers think it's their job to help people improve on their weaknesses, their development areas, like you said, and they don't spend enough time focused on understanding, hey, what are your strengths? What are areas you can double down on? Because as I've learned in my own career over time, I'm much more, I'm happier, more fulfilled and more successful when I double down on utilizing my strengths versus spending all my time trying to fix, I put in air quotes, my weaknesses, right? Yeah. And more inspiring too. I mean, and most people, whatever you have that is a development area or a weakness, quote unquote, you've heard it before. It is who we are. It's not as it's like, oh gosh, this again, you know, like how good am I really going to get in this area if it's just not a strength of mine? Right. You know, so it's interesting. So I do encourage leaders, again, you can't let those pieces get in somebody's way. How can you help them but to focus really on those areas of strength for people? If you work in talent development, you know that your job has become more important than ever. The problem is there's so much uncertainty and noise out in the business world and things are changing so fast. It's hard to know where to go and what tools and resources to use to solve your problems. That's why I recently launched the Talent Development Think Tank community as a central and safe place to access information, ask questions, and talk with other L&D professionals like you so that you can achieve your goals and accelerate your career. Join today to get instant access to our online platform and community of ambitious, helpful talent development professionals who understand your world and can help you solve your problems. Right now, I'm offering 25% off the subscription price to podcast listeners. Just go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT for 25% off. That's talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT. Thanks, and on to the episode. Yeah, so let's back up a step and talk about who you are and what you do, and then we can get into some of that stuff on employee experience. But you know, tell me a little bit about who you are and how you got to where you are today. Uh, so as you said, so my quote title, um, I'm the chief people officer at Silverline, which is a technology company. So I look at that role as my job and my teams is to understand across the entire employee journey, how to set our employees up for success with us. And I look at that journey, you know, my career, I actually started client side. And then when I was at Digitas, which is a creative advertising agency, I spent the first, I was there for 15 years and I spent the first seven or eight years there on the client business. So I was working on American Express and Barnes and Noble. And so that I, I mentioned that because it really very much forms my thinking and philosophy as it relates to our employees. So again, I do look at them as our clients and I look at them as any customer on a brand journey. So I want them from the very beginning of that journey, which is potentially the first time a recruiter reaches out to them is the first time they might engage with our brand. And I do very much think of it as our brand and our employee experience. I actually personally interview anytime we have the recruiting coordinator spot open, I interview every single one of them because that's probably the first time someone experiences our brand. I want those candidates to understand how important that is. Any candidate we're talking to 
starts to engage in our brand right then and there. So they go along that whole experience with recruiting and some come with us and some don't. And those that come with us then transition into onboarding and get into their role. And that's where that really becomes beautiful in the journey, we hope, or we do a lot of work is hopefully once they come with us and they're in a role and they get really good at that role, they keep circling around and we keep adding experiences for them. So that circle of growth that they have and providing new roles or new experiences, whatever they're doing, we continue to support that for many, many cycles. So I take what my team does as really understanding what the employees need across the whole life cycle of their time with us and supporting them and enabling them really to set them up for success at all points along the way there. And we even take a look at across here, we take a look at all of our goals and the work that we want to accomplish for the year. And we map it out against that journey. I actually have a journey on a map. <laughs> and we map it out to make sure that we're very, you know, we're evenly balanced and where, you know, are there gaps that we're not paying attention to in certain points in the journey. A couple of years ago, right when I got here, there was, we didn't feel like there was enough attention and support being given to onboarding, which is so critical. And so we revised that whole portion. So that's essentially how we look at it. And it's pretty inspiring because we use things such as the employee surveys and feedback that they give us to help us understand what they really need. And then that then helps us know where, again, on those on that journey that they're on with us, where to focus for them. Yeah, it makes sense. And, and how big is Silverline? So Silverline now is about 300 people. And that includes about 30 or so um, in our India office. Okay, got it. And what you're talking about reminds me of this whole idea of creating a great employee experience that you know some people are talking about, that it's not just about what's it like for you once you're kind of in the group. This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. We specialize in connecting companies with exceptional learning solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives. We're also providing tons of great content on a weekly basis. In fact, we recently launched a great webinar series that has been going on weekly with content such as creating a culture of multipliers, gender equity, Liz Weissman's webinar on helping rid the world of bad bosses. We have a new webinar from Brent Snow on decision-making. We have a webinar on multipliers and how to use multipliers during troubled times, calming the storm. We have a webinar from our partner, Julie Winkle Giulioni on developing in place how to continue your growth during remote working. And a webinar from Paul Middleton on the secret sauce for learning in the flow of work plus many more, just head to our website at advantageperformance.com. Click on free resources and you'll find the link to webinars and all of our other insights and resources there. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. As an employee, it starts before the interview process, throughout the interview process. What does that onboarding process look like? You know, do you walk into somebody, just hand you a laptop and then you have no idea what to do? Or is there actually a full-on kind of emergent onboarding process where people feel like they're really welcomed and they're part of something? So can you talk about what that looks like and what you think is important for a great employee experience? Yeah, that's interesting. I'm actually, it's fun you asked that question because when we looked at the onboarding experience, like there's two pieces of it from my perspective. There's that literal day one. And then there's that onboarding that happens over the next, you know, six or seven weeks that an employee's new. And I stopped and asked our team, I said, you know what, what is our goal for that day one and day two? 
Like, is it really to learn anything or is our goal to make sure people walk away from that feeling like, yes, this is the right decision I made. Yes, I feel like I belong here. I just met great colleagues. These people are terrific. I'm going to work well here. I have people, I have a nice network now to call and connect with. I said, really, I think our goal is about connection and we can make that connection in many different ways. It can be across our diversity platforms, our philanthropic issue initiatives. It can be across that group that is the starting class type of thing. And how do we network them? I said, that's that's really our goal is for them to walk away and be like, so psyched I'm here and I'm ready to go. And then, and so we revamped the whole onboarding to really reflect that those first two days. And it actually has been so successful that we are probably going to close down our, we have a newbie Slack channel that was there. Like if people didn't know where to connect and didn't know what to do and felt like they were kind of lost, you know, because we are largely remote, our organization, 80% remote, we're probably going to shut that down because people just don't use it anymore because this program has been so successful. And then there's a second piece, which we still have some work to do, to be honest, which is, okay, now that you're in your department and doing the work, how are we making sure we're really ticking and tacking in every place? to understand, do, do we explain the processes right? Do we explain the clients right? Do we do you understand the team dynamic? Like all those things that go into making sure people really feel at home and set up for success to do their job as quickly as possible, which is very different, right? That's a very tactical type of onboarding, which is really important, but no one needs that the first two days. So we kind of bifurcated them out and made the first two just about connecting and having a great experience with each other. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, a lot of what they'll remember at the end of the day or year is how they felt in that those first couple of days and where they really embraced as they came into the organization. Yeah. And we hear that back from them, which has really been nice. You know, you go on a premise that you think that's what it should be, but we've heard that back from a lot of them. So we're pretty happy with it. You mentioned that a lot of your workforce is already working remote. Your company is also headquartered in New York City, which is kind of ground zero in the United States for the COVID-19 pandemic, right? I see you working from home right now from your home in New Jersey. So what has the response been like? How have you handled transitioning the workforce to even more remote work during this pandemic? Yeah, we were really lucky. I've been on a number of calls with peers that had just significant, you know, obstacles to get through to pivot to a remote workforce around technology and the systems. And we just, we didn't have any of that. What we have done, actually, the interesting thing, and I I do believe that there, in any great challenge, there is goodness that comes out of it. The interesting thing is that it has driven more connectivity with our organization since everybody has been 100% remotely. One of the things we did that we set up right away, which really was about an urgency of having one place to get communication to people, is we set up a COVID-19 Slack channel. And so... We well, working remotely. There you got it. <laughs> it is. The COVID nineteen Slack channel, which was very specifically about having information, everybody really garnered around that channel, and it became a place where they were all taking care of each other. So they would hear a resource, they would hear something going on. You know, they would have different ideas, and so the connectivity in that has been amazing. And we make sure that every single week we've got three very specific communication streams, and so we have very three very specific communication streams we put out every week. One is around making sure people know benefits, any benefits changes, reminding them of EAP, reminding them of our virtual benefits that we have. Then we have a second stream that is around good resources. So don't forget to take care of yourself. Here's some for physical health, for mental health, for parents working home with kids, for people trying to deal with the isolation. We also then do executive office hours, which is a once a week live with our CEO on Wednesdays. And then Fridays, we try to have something fun. 
we actually did an online scavenger hunt that was a blast that people, we put a clue out every half an hour, it was every hour throughout the day and people posted whoever found it first and they won little prizes. So we've done a lot of things to really make sure we're taking care of each other and stay connected through that channel. And I, I can't say that I, I knew it was going to be that successful going into it. I just did it as a quick, I got to have one place for everybody to get information. And that has really become a really beautiful benefit of it since we've all been remote. Yeah. And speaking of remote, of course, you've got your uh, canine coworker talking back there in the background. I've got my kids. Guarding me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I got my kids coming in and out and you know, it's the new normal we all live in, which is totally fine. And I love that you seem to really up the ante on communication you know, both from the CEO and across the organization for people to be able to talk to each other. If I've, you know, as I've been studying this and talking to people, it seems like, you know, the real critical keys to making the transition successful are, you know, building trust and empathy, understanding what people are going through and increasing communication so that people don't feel left out or lonely or, you know, disconnected. Yeah. It seems so basic, but, you know, even the update of we have nothing to update you on this week. So people don't wonder is really important. And believe it or not, we had some employees who said, God, I just wish they everybody could, you know, every employee had someone reach out to them. And my first reaction was, we're, we are reaching out to a lot of people. And we're asking our leaders to get folks on our radar screen that either are struggling one way or another so we can support them. But I thought to myself, well, no, we can do this. Like, we're not a huge company. And it's one of the reasons I like working at a smaller company. I can say there's 10 people on the executive team. I can take our entire employee organization, randomly assign 15 employees to every one of us executives, and we're all going to reach out to them over the next 10 days. And then every single person has someone reaching out to them those little things, I think, go so far. And even to your point, that empathy, even though they know there's not a whole lot we can do right now, just the fact that you show you care as an organization, it can be something little like a phone call, such as the example I just gave, or just the broader strategy we have around making sure we are in touch and communicating and listening. We just sent out a survey because we have all these communication plans in place that I thought, well, I think they're okay. Maybe we should check in. So we sent out a quick survey to say, do you feel supported? Do you feel like you can manage the workload? Do you feel like you know what to focus on? Because we've heard so much of that from employees that there's just so much noise in the news and the headlines. And even that, I had a lot of people give us feedback in the comment section to say, just the fact that you asked and took this survey sends a huge message. They know there's a lot we can't control. Yeah, absolutely. But just the fact that you're reaching out, they're hearing from executives, they're hearing from you, they know that you care about them, right? It's not just like, hey, get to work, figure it out. Exactly. You're communicating, you're asking questions, showing empathy. I think it's fantastic. And it's related to another question I wanted to ask you. We talked about employee experience and your reaction to this. I know you have done some work around and are pretty passionate about this idea of creating a great culture. And it sounds like you've created a great culture there at Silverline. What's kind of your philosophy on how to create a great culture? And does that change or shift when most of your workforce is remote? That's a great question. I really believe the culture, we have core values at Silverline, which we very much try to live and showcase as often as we can. I would say, you know, not every day, but we really try to live by them and call them out. You'll see them very live and active in our culture. So those to me are core. And my belief is that every organization needs to evolve and changes. I mean, right now we're all being forced to change whether we like it or not. And this, every headline says, I doubt we'll be back to exactly the same ever again. Your core values though, like who you stand for and what you want to be stay with you no matter how you evolve and change. So that to me is really important as we have grown and changed. People say, well, what about our core values? And I, I absolutely believe that your core values always are there. 
you grow and evolve around them. And you don't want to be somewhere that's not evolving right now, right? I mean, that's not good for anybody's career and not good for any organization. You always want to be evolving, but that's still change. And then the other thing that I really, that goes along in tandem with that is many of the programs and things that we have in place here, I really believe need to be driven by the employees, right? It's their culture and it should reflect what they believe in and what they love and what they feel strongly about and what they want to drive. And I certainly don't ever want it to be a place where the people team is like, oh, here's your programs, here's your ideas, this is who we are about. Even right down to our diversity program, which we call DIBS, which is, stands for Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging. You know, that any activity that we have, our goals for the year, and same with our CARES program, which is our philanthropic efforts. You know, I have a nice group of employees that come in and they say, hey, here's what we want to focus on, here's what we want to do. So it very much reflects the employees. I'm there to help enable them. So it's kind of about, it goes back to that whole experience for employees, whether it's about their career and their growth, how does my team enable them? Same thing for the culture, what they want that culture to be and how they want to define it. I want to hear it from them and then let my team help enable that for you and make that happen. So I think that's a really important, and I even take that even one step further because we are largely remote even in regular times, I have a little, call them hubs. So anywhere where I've got more than six people in an area, if I've got 10 in Colorado and I've got 15 in Chicago and I've got, I think I've got a good 15 down in Florida, my Floridians. I let them decide in their hubs what they want to do and what they want to be about and what the activities are. I work with them to set up what they want to do and give them budgets. But what the Florida group does for, in fact, our Florida group even wants a logo to go with theirs. is very different than say what the Colorado group wants to do. I think that's important that you define that who you are. So those are kind of my perspectives on culture. I like that. I mean, it's a lot of empowerment and ownership by the employees and listening. And like you said, you're there to kind of support and empower them, but it needs to be driven by employees. So at least you mentioned investing and programs being owned by employees or them taking ownership or driving. Um, what kind of development opportunities are you providing to your employees at Silverline? So there's a number that we provide that are right on the line, so to speak, that are, say, programs where we're developing their technical skills. In fact, there's a couple that just passed the CTA exams here in New York, which is an unheard of level of excellence in the Salesforce development world. But I would say the, the program I'm the most proud of is we have two leadership programs in place right now because we have this incredible group of strong leaders and by leader, we mean anyone who's leading people. It can be one person or entire teams who are really strong, given that they haven't really ever had any training, right? Like many organizations, they've got employees who've grown up here and they've been put in roles all of a sudden managing people and they've never been given the skills to do that. So we have our first program, which is called LEAP, which uses both some cognitive behavior and skills assessment tools and diagnostics to help them understand both from a, we use predictive index at Silverline understand themselves and their team dynamics and how to manage better that way, as well as then a whole suite of fundamentals, which is around giving and receiving feedback, having difficult conversations. And all of it is embodied in the mindset of being coaches, right? I mean, I've talked to so many of our leaders to help them understand that every employee will go off straight, yourself included, myself included. And that's the job of a leader is to help them see like more of this, less of that and get them back on that path. And I do love the analogy. I think it's from the book, Good to Great. You know, the job is to make sure they're like nice rivers. Sometimes they go and they, the rivers might overflow a little bit, but you get them back, not to let them become a big puddle. And so helping them 
in that coach's mindset of how to continually coach, which also then backs right into the whole notion of our performance management philosophy, which is ongoing conversations, coaching and feedback at all times. So they go through this leadership program. And then at the end, we use a terrific partner, Sage, that comes in and gives them each individual coaching session. So they can take from this whole leadership program, whatever is individually important to them. So this goes back to their individual experience. Some of them might really struggle with giving and receiving feedback. Some of them might really struggle with delegating. Some of them, they don't have to, they can pull all the content and learn, but then at the end, they have time with a coach to really go deeply in the areas that they choose to. So it's a pretty dynamic program that I'm really excited about. We're like midway through it right now. And then there's another program that is also for our up and coming leaders. And this one is one in which they do get some competency training around leadership, but they then are each asked to identify something that they see as an improvement area or something that would make one of our core values is always better together. And so what they're asked to do is find something or something that they think the organization could be better at. We could be better at. It could be a process. It could be a philosophy, a way of driving team dynamics, whatever it is. And they're given a mentor to match to put together a framework and a solution around that. And the capstone to that session is they present those ideas to the executive team. So those are the two that I'm really proud of it. Both of them drive a lot of engagement with the organization, but they're very deeply rooted in the individual development for these leaders, which of course helps them at Silverline, but wherever they go in their career and wherever their growth takes them. Oh, that's really cool. So you give a lot of the fundamentals of leadership. You're also kind of got some innovation built in there where they're working on new projects and presenting to the executive team, which I I always love seeing those. I'm curious if you built a lot of this in-house. Do you work with partners? I know you mentioned Sage. Yeah, you know, it's a little bit of both. So I would say the program where they're the innovative, you know, where they're looking at solutions and problems, that kind of thing, that one's called Double Jump. That we pretty much do internally. And then the other one, Leap, we use Predictive Index. We use Sage for some of the content and the coaching. We use the Paradox of Leadership and we use Fierce as well. So we bring in a variety. I also teach a couple of the sessions and I open up every single session with one of our leaders sharing. There's this framework, which is two questions each time. One is what was your first job and what did you learn, whether you expected it or not, which is always a really fun, (laughs) you wouldn't believe what people's first jobs are, which I love to share mine. Mine was dusting rocks. At the reception area and cutting and filing, of course, but I learned so much at that job. So it's that. And then what is your best lesson learned, whether that's something you learned yourself as a leader or as a mentor? So we open every single session with somebody sharing that. It's a nice framework. And it's, it's the group I engage with the most because they are where the rubber hits the road in terms of leading our clients, leading our people, growing our people and growing they themselves making sure that they are growing to become our stronger and stronger next generation of leaders. So I'm pretty engaged with this group. Wow. I like that. And I like that question that starting off with the first job, it's just one of those things that kind of humanizes yes, right? executives, right? It's like, oh yeah, you're a person that started off doing some weird job too, like dusting rocks. Exactly. Whatever, right? Well, and they'll say like, oh, okay, everybody starts somewhere. You know, everybody started somewhere. You didn't just become a senior leader. This one fellow talked about, you know, his summer lifeguard and he's like, the easiest job I ever had. I just sat there, watched people swim, hung out with friends. But he said, my biggest takeaway from it was it was fun. And he said, I realized the job has to have fun in it, no matter what you're doing, right? So you can always have some nice insight, no matter what it is. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, my first paid job was one my mom got for me working on a county highway maintenance crew down here in Orlando, Florida during the summer. Oh my gosh, that's a rough job. Summer heat of Florida. (laughs) That job was not fun. That's tough. And I learned pretty quickly that, you know, manual labor out in the heat was not something that I aspired to do. And so I definitely needed to go to college and, you know, get my degree and get a job. Give yourself choices. Yeah, exactly. Give it, get a job where I can work in air conditioning. Yeah. So soon after that, I lasted for one summer. I ended up going to work in pharmacies after that and then, you know, got the degree and moved on. So it's, you know, interesting the the things that we've done. Speaking of jobs and careers, I was curious, Lisa, you thinking back across your career so far, what's been your proudest moment or thing that you're most proud of in your career so far? You know, I think my proudest moment, and it's a place I have so much passion around, is around employee development. And it was when I was at Digitas, and this is when I I happened to be still working on the client business. And I was on American Express at the time. And the New York, just to give some perspective, Boston was the home office. So they were about 400 people. New York was small. We were only... 100 maybe, but they wanted to scale that specifically to serve American Express and a few other clients in New York. So they asked me to come off the business and help them scale the New York office and build out the learning and development function for employees. And to be very honest, I was very naive and young. And I I said, no, I love the client business. I love helping the clients. I don't want to do that. I had a great mentor who came down and she you know, gave me the knock, knock, knock on my door. She said, hey, you know, when they identify you as somebody who could help them build out the office, might you say yes? <laughs> might you? So I said, okay, fine. I'll do that for a year, but I really want to go back to the client work. So that was an incredibly important step because that's where I realized that you're building a brand, whether it's for a client and their brand or internally for the organization, it's the same thing. It's the same process, right? So that's where my thinking comes from and how much I believe I'm building the brand of Silverline and helping build what that brand experience is like for our employees, which I already mentioned. And so that work I did to build out the learning and development function in New York was such a big milestone for me because it was then taken and scaled nationally to our North America offices. And I really had taken L&D at that point was basically... PowerPoint, Excel, and Word. It was like nothing. And so I made it matrix function across, you know, I I divided it out to be soft skills, craft skills, what that looked like if you were junior level, senior level, what that looked like across departments. We made it interactive. We built a website and then we launched it like a brand campaign. We had promotional elements and materials and contests and fun things to do if you went to the website and promotional little desk drop things. We did it all around the theme of Feed Your Mind. And so we had menus that listed all the curriculums for the different departments and levels. So it just was this first time. It was so exciting for me and something I was so proud of because I really was head in living that whole idea of I'm building their experience just like I would a customer, any other product they're out there buying and I want them to be excited about. And I'm thinking about this, how can I get this group of people to be excited and engage and partake in this experience that I'm building for them? And they did. And it was really successful. And then, as I said, they scaled it across North America. So it was just a lot of fun. And I saw, you know, we became very well known for our development program and it was a key differentiator in recruiting for us. So it just all right. It happened to be I was in the right place at the right time. 
time when they needed something done and they had the money to spend on it. And they let me go 100%, 150% at it and do it. So it's actually an example I use. Sometimes people talk about career path and I mentor a lot of employees to say, sometimes, yes, have a plan, but sometimes it's just an opportunity comes your way that makes no rhyme or reason. If you think about where I was serving American Express, I was working on partnership rewards offers with them. It makes no sense for me to go take a left turn and do this. Just go for it. Go for it. Don't take unnecessary and crazy risk. But like, what did I really have to lose? Right. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't quote on my career path, end quote. Right. Look where it got me. So it was a really important time for all those reasons. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And awesome that you got that opportunity. You took advantage of it. You went all in on it. And like you said, what do you got to lose? Take a shot and got to welcome those opportunities when they come and not just cast them aside if they're not technically on your career path, as you said. Right. And and a shout out to my mentor, Judy Jackson, who heads up the employee experience at WPP right now. <laughs> she was the one who came down and said, hello. Nice. Right. And encourage me. Don't be so head down in what you're doing. Yep. Pick your head up a little. Absolutely. And we need those mentors. I got to ask you about the other side. Lisa, what's been your biggest mistake or failure and so far in your career? What did you learn from it? I often get so passionate about what I'm doing that I just put my head down and I go. And where that's become a lesson for me is in managing teams. You know, it's not inspiring for a team to have a leader say, this is what we're doing. This is where we're going. Just go, right? They want to know why we're going. They want to have some partake in that developing of it. And the truth of the matter is, often they have better ideas. They have different ideas. And we get to where the goal is. It just looks different than what I thought. And that's absolutely okay. And so earlier in my career leading teams and leading people, it was a big learning for me was that you can't just be excited about something and think everybody else is going to quote, just be excited about it with you. You have to engage them in the right way. You have to involve them and let them build it with you. Like that becomes then their excitement and their experience as well. And it helped me really to become very focused as a leader on the goal. How we get there, does it matter if it's my way, their way? No, it doesn't really matter. Do we get to the goal together as a team is what matters. So I had to learn that quickly you know, because I thought, well, my gosh, I'm just so excited about this. And my passion is such a great thing. I thought it is, but you got to channel it the right way. Yeah, such a huge difference. I mean, people want to feel like they're part of something. They want to know why they're working on something. They want to be connected to purpose. And when you're just yes. tell them to do things, then it's not their project. They're not empowered, right? They don't feel ownership over the results like they would if they're involved in that decision. Yeah, I think it's Marcus Buckingham uses when he talks about this and he, he uses the He said, you know, Sherman didn't go into battle without explaining why they were doing and what the purpose, that's such a good word that you use, the purpose of what we're doing is. He said, that doesn't excite anybody. Right. Yeah. So important to connect to that for yourself and for the people in your organization. That's awesome. Lisa, are there any trends that you're following right now in talent development that you're excited about or just watching closely? You know, the only trend I would say, I mean, certainly the use of data and analytics just just wasn't there five, six, seven years ago in people in talent management, which I think is terrific. I see the two trends I'm watching. I guess everybody's watching AI, right? I'm still sort of like, hmm, I don't know how that's going to, but there's something out there. I just don't know what that nugget is. But certainly the predictive analytics are something I'm really excited about right now. So we haven't started using those yet, but that ability, I mean, I've done my own homegrown (laughs) 
predictive analytics. And it's not pretty. I'm glad there's other folks out there really that have great software and technology to help do that, to understand how I can be more proactive with people, understanding where I've got talent at risk, understanding you know talent and being able to make decisions on the front end versus the back end when you're reactive. And sometimes it's a little bit too late. So the predictive nature of data and using that with people in an organization is one I'm really looking forward to applying at some point soon. If you're looking for a place to connect with colleagues and peers from your industry and find out what other people in talent development are working on, you need to check out the brand new Talent Development Think Tank membership community. Inside, we have members from companies all over the world who are working on all different things in talent development and sharing what's been working, what's been not working, and answering each other's questions so we can all get our jobs done more effectively and be more successful in our careers. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. Just head on over to tdtt.us slash community, and you can use code HOTSEAT for 25% off your subscription. That's tdtt.us slash community and use code HOTSEAT for a limited time for 25% off your subscription. If you have any questions, reach out to me and let me know and we'll see you there. Yeah, very cool. It's interesting how that stuff is all developing and moving so quickly. Is there a book that you often recommend or has made a big difference for you in your career? You know, the book I still love, and I know it's so old, it probably dates me, but it still is one of the best books I ever read is Good to Great. It just has the basics. I mean, I still remember that whole chapter about, you know, who you've got on the bus, are they in the right seat on the bus? <laughs> I, I still, I mean, I read it, God, years ago. I just think it's one of the best books out there. I certainly think Adam Grant, I heard him speak years ago when he was starting his career. He's so human to me, which I think I is back to what you were saying and we were talking about earlier. And no matter what the circumstance, what the environment is doing, what's going on with your organization, I just think that it's such an important part of leadership is that empathy, that listener, that human piece. And it's something that, you know, I purposely have crafted my career and what I've done. I think it's one of the reasons I've, I've been so blessed to love what I've done, but it's because I really focus on the human piece. And I do hope I'm making a difference in the employees, each and every one of them, whatever they need, again, on their experience. You know, HR is a process. You need processes and policies, of course. But I just think we've got to be out there as humans And so I do love Adam Grant because he does have such a beautiful slant on all the leadership and management issues we tackle each day. Oh, that's great. And you know, you can't ever, there's nothing wrong with referencing an older book. You don't really date yourself. I mean, if I say that, you know, <laughs> The Great Gatsby is one of my favorite books, doesn't mean that I'm a hundred years old. So <laughs> Andy, thank you for that. I'll take that. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Lisa, last question for you. Uh, for anybody listening who's looking for ways to accelerate their success in their careers and, you know, move up the ranks, be more successful in, in talent development, what's one more piece of advice you would give? I guess this goes for any career. You know, if you're interested in it, just try it out even in the littlest of ways. I mean, like you and I were just saying, sometimes those first jobs or shadow people just sit in and watch what they do all day helps you understand. And it's really important to understand what you like and what you don't like, what you might want to pursue and what you don't want to pursue. So many people that are, you know, looking at internships and I had two that I absolutely hated what I was doing. That's really important to learn. And so I would just encourage anyone, wherever you want to go with your growth, take the risk if you can you know, be open-minded and learn a little, it can be the littlest of things. I think sometimes people think they have to make these 
big career moves or take new jobs. There's so much growth and experience to be gained, even in the smallest of steps. And so it could be, like I said, shadowing somebody. It could be sitting in on a meeting. It could be having them share finished documents or finished, you know, or share a framework of how they're thinking about something on the front end. Anything that can get you a sense of what it is and if you like it. And then what are gaps you might want to fill if it is something you want to pursue. I think those can, I think sometimes people just look at it as this massive step and there's so much you can do, the smaller steps that add up and they get you there. I agree 100%. It's a long career and the little steps add up. Look for ways to learn and grow and try new things every day. That's what I'm doing. Sounds like what you've done a lot of. And uh, I think it's benefited both of us. So uh, great advice. Thank you. Yeah. You never know where it'll take you. This is true. This is true. Look where we started out. Look where we ended up. <laughs> right. Polishing rocks and working on highway. <laughs> That's right. Mowing lawns on the side of the road to hosting this podcast. So Right. I do remember the day they let me answer the phones and I was like, oh, this is it. Oh, nice. Yeah, I didn't get that. <laughs> but far. hey, it was a step up for me. I didn't get that far in my first job. I don't think there was a phone to answer. There's no the highway maintenance crew. <laughs> to drive the truck. <laughs> that would be big though. I was 15. They did not let me drive the truck. No, did not let me drive uh, the truck. I got to do like the, you know, the checkup in the morning to make sure it was ready to roll, but I did not get to. But see, all right. So we're laughing and joking, but even that, right? They gave you more responsibility right, right there. You're checking everybody in. That's true. See? Yep. I got that. Little steps. <laughs> Moving up then, little steps. All right. Lisa, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today and share some of your experience and wisdom. It's been great for me. And I know it's been Such great. Such a pleasure, Andy. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks again. Take care. You too. Be well. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again and take care.